Great stories have great beginnings. The Christmas story didn't begin 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. It began at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. Hey, what's up, everybody? How are you guys doing today? So good to be back with you. Also, great to have all of you online from wherever you are joining us this wonderful weekend. It is December. We are kicking off the Christmas series. I know I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, me and my family reclaimed a little bit of vacation time we lost because of the hurricane, right? Shingles weren't the only thing we lost. Lost some family time. Uh, so uh, great to be back with you guys. And, and um, so I want to just take a minute and... Oh, I had that. It's such a great... Oh, thank you. I had that like exactly how I wanted. I want to take a minute and just talk to you about December. We have a lot happening um, through the month of December here at Cape Christian, and um, uh, it's always an incredible time. It's a fun, exciting time, uh, but a few things that you can ex uh, expect and, and know that, that we are going to continue to bless our city, and we are inviting you to be a part of it. The first thing that we have going on is uh, we're going to do our Christmas series. We're kicking it off this week. It'll be a three-week series, and then it will culminate for our Christmas experience. Now, our Christmas experience, because we've continued to grow and continue to add services, is going to be similar to last year in that um, we're going to have multiple services. In fact, this year we're going to have it on multiple days. So we're going to have our Christmas experience on Friday, December 23rd, and we're going to have it on Saturday, December 24th. Currently, we have three services planned on Friday and six on Saturday. Um, and as we did last year, we would ask all of you to go online and pre-register. Um, the tickets are free, but it's going to help us spread out everybody so you can go to the service. Uh, and so however many are in your party, your family that you're coming with, make sure you reserve that. Several, I think we already have a couple thousand people who've already reserved seats. Um, and so we're expecting close to seven, 8,000 people this year. Um, and so grab those. And we have, yeah, just, just based on numbers um, in the past. Um, also, we already have a plan. If those all fill up, we already know where our 10th service is going to be, where our 11th service is going to be. And so um, we will add those as you fill up. So, so don't wait. Um, and uh, most, of the, most of the seats will be reserved. And so there'll be a few extra seats each service. But we recommend if you know you're coming, pick your time. And when you register, you'll get a code and it'll guarantee that you and your party get a seat at that service. Is that cool? Okay, so that's going to be the 23rd, the 24th, same experience across the board. It's going to be fantastic. We've already been uh, running through it. We've been working on it since August. It's going to be really, really good. Um, and, uh, and so because of that, we won't do anything on Sunday, the 25th, because we just did nine <laughs> or 11, okay? Uh, so that's the 25th. And then the following weekend, as we do every year, we will not meet in person on Saturday the 31st or Sunday the 1st. We will do church online only. Don't come here. We're going to bring it to you. I have a word I think that's going to be really, really good. It's, it's so ironic that it's actually happening on December 31st and January 1st where the weekend fits because I actually think it's the perfect message and, and stuff for us to kind of work through. As we, before we think about the year that's coming, we also kind of can go back and look at the year that was, and this is kind of a perfect fit for that. And so um, we won't be worshiping together here. We won't be gathering here, but we will have that filmed for you, and you can watch that with your friends and family and loved ones on the 31st and the 1st. So nine experiences Christmas weekend, online only the following weekend. Everybody with me say yeah. 
fantastic. And then this Tuesday, we open up our Christmas village as well. It's going to be a fantastic. Uh, and so... Um, that is open every night from 5.30 to 9. It is, it is for our community. We just want to give families something to do. It's bigger, better, and brighter than it was last year. Uh, and so we're really excited. Spread the word. Tell, tell the, your friends. Um, also, we need your help. We need you guys to help volunteer. Uh, and so just like we saw happen with the hurricane a couple months ago, if everybody will just do their part, if everybody will take a couple nights, um, you and your small group, you and your family, you and your friends, go, hey, we'll do a couple of, of, of times we can do this. Um, we can get it covered and just be a blessing to our city. It's awesome. Awesome to watch families have uh, something to do. Also to see the kids' faces when the snow comes and uh, and all that stuff. And so we have some really really fun things uh, planned for that as well. So Christmas weekend, the the Christmas services. If you'd be willing to uh, attend uh, one and then serve one or two, we would love to have you that weekend. And then we'd also love to have you help us with the village as well. And so you can go online. You can go to the Connect Desk. Uh, all of those great things. So, um, but now I want to dive into our. Christmas series, and we're going to do something a little bit different uh, this year. I'm really excited about, and we're going to look at the Christmas story through one of the Gospels, but not the one that you usually think about when you think of the Christmas story. The, the Christmas series is called Let There Be Light, and it's going to be kind of a progression, but, but most often, if you were to go to your Bible and, and say, let's read about the Christmas story, you would go to one of two Gospels. Anybody know what it is? Luke or Matthew. Look at you guys. Twelve people know the Bible. That is awesome. <laughs> why you're here every weekend. Teach us, master. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Luke, Matthew, Luke. But, but we're going to look at, actually this year, we're going to look at John. John happens to be my favorite gospel, but he doesn't really say much about the details of the birth of Jesus at all. We're going to get way more into that in our Christmas experience that you will pre-register for. Uh, um, but, but I want to start with John because John has a little bit of a different take. He takes a very different angle with the beginning, the, the intro to Jesus. And so we're going to be actually in John 1 for the next few weeks. And we're going to look at what did John say? What did he mean? And we want to walk through it together and unpack it together. And so let's go to John chapter 1 because John chapter 1 doesn't start with Mary, doesn't start with Joseph and wise men and donkeys and stars and all of those things. He doesn't start with any of that. Here's how John starts the story of Jesus, which is what the, the Christmas story is all about. He says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the, somebody say it with me, beginning. Through Him, all things were made, and without Him, nothing that has been made has been made. That's redundant. John could have done better there, but whatever. John doesn't start with any details. He just says, here's what you need to know about Jesus. In the beginning, he was the word. And he wasn't just the word, he was with God. But he wasn't just with God, he was God. And in fact, because of him, everything that we have, everything that we see, everything that we are, the essence of all of creation was created in and through him. And if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have anything. And so that would ask us, if you're reading John, I would think a critical thinker or an inquiring mind would go then, well, then what happened in the beginning? And this might be my favorite message of all time, because I love the brilliance of the beginning of the story of the Bible. I don't know how many of you are readers. How many would you call yourselves moderate readers, avid readers, hands online. You can click on the button online. Uh, readers, uh, some of you, okay. So what's interesting is no matter what book you pick up, whatever, what, no matter what novel you pick up, usually in the first, always in the first chapter, most often in the first sentence or the first paragraph, they tell you what were the journey we're about to go on, right? 
So I have a few um, of the most popular novels of our time, and I just want to know if any of you know what these are without trying to cheat. Let me read some of you. This one is maybe the, one of the, probably the most famous first sentence in any book perhaps in my time, and it says this, call me Ishmael. Moby Dick, who said that? You deserve something, sir. Go to, the, go to the Connect desk afterwards and tell him Corey said I deserve something. We'll give you something free. I don't have anything on me. I have a microphone, but I don't know that you want that. Moby Dick, call me Ishmael. Uh, here's another one. This one is maybe not as, as popular, but it's a pretty popular first line. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. George Orwell's 1984. Yeah. And yes, I was alive then, for those of you who... I'm going to go to this book actually has, it has a, a really important statement that you're going to, it takes you on a long journey. And it's actually the last two sentences, but it's still at the very beginning of the chapter. And it goes like this. He couldn't know that at this very moment, people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Any guesses? <laughs> Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you, I must trick you guys a lot because nobody wanted to answer that. Another great novel right here. Uh, again, I don't know if you can see the, uh, the, the beginning. It says this. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and oozy smell, nor yet uh, a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down or to eat. But it was a hobbit hole and means for comfort. See, are, aren't all these interesting? Like, they already have this leaning. Tell me about the hole. Tell me about Ishmael. What's, what's the deal with Harry Potter and perhaps probably the most popular of all books. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The age of wisdom and the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going, uh, all going direct to heaven. We were all going directly the other way. Tale of Two Cities by our man, our friend, Charles Dickens. There's another book, one more book. And they did the exact same thing in the first couple sentences and in the first page. They literally told you exactly what we're gonna talk about for the rest of the book. And this book is unlike any other book. And this book goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, if we were to treat the Bible like we do any other book, any other story, what I just read to you was pretty epic. You may not be aware, but God is not just an all-powerful being. He's not all authority. He's not all-knowing, but he's also an author. He, he authored, he penned a book. He had our help. Actually, we probably tried to ruin it, but he got it through anyway. And 66 authors over four, uh, over 1,600 years um, in 40 different, uh, 66 books, 40 different authors, three different continents, three different languages, 1,500 years. And it's God's story in the book. And, and God, just like, just like J.R. Tolkien and, and J.K. Rowling and Charles Dickens, just like they all put some really important things at the very beginning, that if you get it at the beginning, they're going to take you on this journey. God did the same thing. And I really believe uh, when people say, where, where should I start reading the Bible? I often say James, <laughs> uh, or I say John, or I'll, I'll pick some other things. But really what I want to say is, first go read 
read the first chapter of Genesis and then go to John or then go to uh, Colossians or whatever the case may be because he literally unfolds. And here's what you need to know about the Bible is, is the ancient readers that was, this was actually written to in the first place, they were not a literal culture like we are. They were actually taught to read, not just looking for the actual words on the pages, but for themes and patterns. And they actually believed uh, when the Bible was introduced in early ancient cultures to the Jews, they, they were taught at five or six years old that it's the sweetest, most pleasurable experience you'll ever have. And when you turn it, even in the slightest degree, it will refract light in a completely new direction and it will give you new depth and new revelation and it will never stop speaking. And so John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he made everything and nothing that was made didn't come through him. So I think if we're gonna dive into this, we gotta talk about what was it like? What was the light at the very beginning? What happened at the beginning? And so I wanna walk really quickly because if you, if you understand this, you actually understand what to look for throughout all the stories of the Bible. And then you can also start to know what to look for as God wants to work in your heart and your life. Because this isn't just an ancient book. It will speak to your soul. And so we see, uh, we see this in the Bible. So I want to walk through this. I want to dive into this. I just read you the, 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 the very beginning. And there's three really, really important things, two or three really important things in the first two senses. And, and I've talked about this before, and I will never apologize for repeating myself or talking about it more because the more depth you get with this, the more real it becomes in your life. And so God starts in verse one and he, author, the author, he says, I want you, I want to put something really important in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So from the, the first sentence of his book, God wants every reader to know all life comes from me. John wanted every reader, reader to know that 2,000, 4,000 years later, didn't he? Because he said he made a point to reference this. John is literally referencing this chapter. So God is the creator of life. God gives life. What is God up to in my life? What does he want to do? He wants life to flourish in your life. It's who he is and it's what he does. He's the author of life. And so we see this really, really cool tension, again, brilliantly written, because we see God gives life, and it's like, oh, that sounds awesome, but there's a problem in the second verse. The second sentence says, but the earth was formless, it was void, it was empty, and darkness covered it. Empty, void, formless, and darkness. Some of us can relate to that. Some of us know what it's like to go through seasons of darkness, to feel empty, to feel like there's a void in our life. And, and when I think of those words, darkness, formless, empty, void, the, to me, I can put those, I can kind of put those in one package and I would call that chaos. So in the beginning, we see there's this all powerful, all authority, all loving, all knowing creator. But the problem is there's darkness and there's chaos. And so we see, number one, God gives life. We see, number two, there's darkness and there's chaos. And then we see, number three, and if you don't learn anything else about the Bible and anything else about God the rest of your life, you have to understand this because if you understand this, it could perhaps change your response to every time darkness and chaos comes into your life. And it's the second part of the second sentence. It was dark. It was formless. It was empty. It was void. And what did it say after that? The Spirit of God hovered. Somebody say hovered. hovered. Somebody type hovered online. Hovered. From the beginning, this author wants everybody to know, I bring and create life. And even where there's darkness 
and anywhere there's chaos, and even if it's not there yet, you can have one sure promise guarantee that I am there hovering right over it. I hover over darkness. I hover over chaos. And, and this is what the Christmas story is. Jesus came into darkness. Jesus came into to chaos. He came into empty. He came into void and he brought light and life. Jesus did the same thing in the New Testament that God did in the first page in the first chapter of his book all the way in Genesis. And so really quick, I want to walk you through this because I don't just want to, I don't want to just tell you it. I want to, I want you to see it and appreciate it because I think this is going to give some of us a ton of hope. And so he didn't just end there. It, it, it's, we see God wants everybody to know from the beginning that what's he gonna do? Now we have to ask ourselves two senses in. He brings life, but there's chaos. What's gonna happen? What's he gonna do? And if you've never read the story, you're like, whoa, what's gonna happen? If you have read the story, here's what you're about ready to learn, that God takes his power, his creative life, his authority, and he asserts it into the chaos. He asserts it into the darkness so that he could create life that will flourish. This is the whole story of the Bible. This is the whole story of humanity. What does God do? He's not in heaven trying to punish his, his beings because they can't get out of their own way. Uh, he, that's not what he's in. He hovers over darkness and chaos and he takes all that love, all that power, all that authority, and he literally asserts it into chaos and asserts it into darkness because we can't get out of our own mess. And so he says, here, if you will let me have my way, if you will lean into me, if you will trust me, if you will let me be a part of your story, I will take your chaos, I will take your void, your empty, your darkness, and I will create life that will flourish. That's the story of the Bible. That's why this is like my favorite message. Like the Bible's boring. Like boring? Who else can do this? Maybe Mel Gibson for a couple hours on a movie, but that's like about it. He needs a sword and some good techniques. And so from the beginning, God would want all of his readers to know, and I would want you to know, wherever there's chaos, wherever there's chaos, God is hovering. God is present. God is right there and he wants to bring light and he wants to bring life that will flourish. Now there is a, there is a caveat. He won't force himself on you. You have to let him in. But let me show you what he does with his authority because there's so much in here. We're gonna walk through this really quickly. I'm not gonna go through the whole chapter, but I wanna show you the creation story, mostly because John thought it was important enough to reference it about three times in three verses as he tells the Christmas story, because uh, you could make a case, this is John's Christmas story. I mean, left some details out, but it's his Christmas story. And so what, is, what does God do with the chaos? Well, let's watch the first thing he does. What's the very first words out of God's mouth that we see in the Bible? Let there be light. Let there be light. Genesis chapter one, verse three says, it says, he said, let there be light and there was light. I don't know if you've ever tried this. I do it all the time. I walk into a room and I go, let there be light. It never comes on. <laughs> I try all the time. I'm like one time, God, does you and me, like no one has to know. I promise I won't tell. Never happened. But he did it and it happened. He saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and he called the day light day and the darkness night. That was the first day. So this is what God did. He called it, go ahead and put that first screen up, the big picture. This is what he did day one. He's like, hey, let's create light and let's separate it from darkness. This was God's idea. He did this really without effort. So day one, let there be light. 
Chaos, darkness. What's the problem? Darkness. What's the solution? Light. What's the problem in your life? Darkness. What's the solution? Light. God wants to bring light into your darkness. It's what this story is about. But he didn't stop there. The next day, let's go on to this day two. He says, then God said, let there be a vault between the water to separate water from water. And so he called the vault sky. Basically it says, uh, and so day two, he's, he created water and sky. So now we have land and sea and we have sky. This was day two, amazing. He just said it and it happened. So now we don't just have light and darkness, but we have sky and air and water and seas. That was day two. Again, I wanna walk you through this quickly. Day three, what does he do? Uh, verse nine, it says, then God said, now let's let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry, dry ground appear. So God called the dry ground land and then he gathered the waters and he called it seas and he saw that it was good. So now we have God. He's not only made light and darkness. Now he's separated sky from this other water expanse. And now he's like, let's go further. Let's have the water be in one place and the land be in another. And now we have things like this. I don't know if you've ever been to the Alps or the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains or um, the swamp of Florida, whatever it is. God thought all of it up, you know, the Everglades. Um, he separated this, continuing to go. All he did was take nothing and he continues to go further and deeper and more grandiose with how much light and how much life and how specific and how amazing and how creative and how beautiful it gets. And so he creates a sky and he creates a, a planets and he creates a planet where there's land and there's water. And then also on the third day, he's like, well, now that we got a, a setting, now that the table is set, now that we got a stage, let's fill it up. And so verse 11 says, now he said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that will produce seed in it according with their various kinds. And so on day three, we see that God did what I just showed you. Like we got land, we got water, we got vegetation. Amazing. And he didn't stop there. Then we go to day four. He's like, so about that sky, let's load it up. And so in verse 20, it says, now God, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in verse 14, he says, uh, God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. So now day four, now we see sun, moon, stars, luminaries, like cue the Star Wars intro music, like whatever it is, God just loads up this. We still haven't reached the ends of it. We probably never will. We don't even know what's out there. Some of you believe there is something. Some of you don't. We're not going to talk about that today. It doesn't matter yet. but he loaded it up. Then he goes, now let's go back to the water thing that I created in the sky. He says, let's the water team with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And he also said, let's now let's uh, put, some, put some fish in the sea and let's create some things that go in the water. And he saw that it was good. Day five, we got birds up above. We got Nemo down below. Do you see what he's doing? Remember how this started a couple days ago? Hey, listen, somebody, listen, listen, somebody. Remember how this was a couple days ago? Void, empty, dark, chaos. And then God had his way. And now you have life and you have light and you have different kinds of life and it flourishes. And every single type of life God created, actually he put in it the ability to create more life, whether you're a fish, a bird, a human, or a plant. Isn't that phenomenal? Not just life one time, but it all reproduces and it flourishes. And he talks about that. 
And then day six, he does a couple things. First, he goes, now let's put some awesome, awesome beasts on the land. And so in 24, it says, and let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground with the wild animals. And so he did, he put all these animals, the, you know, lions and tigers and barrows, oh my, all that kind of stuff. Um, and all the stuff that crawls around that we try to keep out of our houses and off our lanais here in Florida. He created all of it. And then he saved his best for last and he did something at the end he had never done before. He said, now that I got the, uh, the, the sky and lights and dark and I got land and I got seas and I got stuff in it, now I need to have one thing that's like me. One thing that has a soul. One thing that I can have relationship. One thing that will be my representative in my creation that can rule and, 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 and be part of the good that I've created, but that also will work with me in tandem and I can have a communion and fellowship and I can have relationship with and they, they can have life on, on another scale. And so in verse 26, it says, now God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And it goes on in verse 27 to say, so God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created. He saved his best for last. And so we see day six, go ahead and show day six. We got animals, we got birds, we got all the stuff and we got Adam and Eve, put it all together, throw the big, give me the culmination, show me the, the Picasso. That's what he did. It started with chaos and darkness and emptiness and void. And this is still going and will go forever. Because God, when he has his will, when he is allowed to assert his authority and his desire into his creation, do you know what is the repercussions of it? Not shame and punishment, people. Light and life. There are consequences when we go outside of it. And I'll, I'll, I'll spoil the story for you. Here's what happens. The one thing that he made like him, he, thus, us humans, he also gave us a free will. And so he says, I'm gonna let you do it your way. You would, be, you would do well to trust my way, but I'm also gonna let you go outside of my way. And it took us like one page to be like, hey, we know better than God. And since then, the world has spiraled out of control. And so that's the first page of the story. That's how the beginning starts. And the next 66 books, the next 2,000 pages, the next 1,500 years of authorship are a different version of this story where there's some sort of problem, there's some sort of chaos, there's some sort of emptiness, there's some sort of injustice, there's some sort of hurt, there's some sort of pain. And the, the, his creations have this dilemma and they have this decision. Will we continue to think we know how to do it better than God? Or will we lean into the one and will we open our hearts and lives to the one who since the beginning of time inserts himself into chaos, inserts himself into darkness. And what does he do? He brings light and life that will flourish. And I wanna show some of you something because you have to get this. This is what ancient readers would have got from the beginning and understood. And some of you, we don't understand why God works the way he does and what's going on. And God, how does this work? And I, I, we pray these prayers and we have these desires like, God, give me the house, give me the car, give me the wife, whatever the case may be. And those are good prayers. Those are prayers of completion, right? Prayers of filling, infilling. And did God complete his world? Did he fill his good world? Is that where he started? No. He didn't make stars first. He made a sky. He didn't make fish first. He made a sea. He didn't make bears first. He made land. Do you catch my drift? Sometimes the stuff that we want is on the other side of God's process. 
God is a God of process, and we want the completion and the filling, but we missed that the first page reminded us that he will bring light and he will bring life. But first, these first three days, those were all about separation and preparation. See, nobody wants to be separated from some stuff that they were attached to. Nobody wants to do the hard grinding work of soul or physical preparation. We just want the blessings. Let the blessings come down. More, Lord, right? And I bet almost every single one of us didn't know it, but you prayed some version of a prayer that went more, Lord, and he answered it by a season of separation and preparation. And you went, God, what are you doing? This isn't what I asked for. And he goes, oh, yes, it is. Because if you want to have a wife and be a dad, you need to have a capacity to be able to be about somebody other than yourself, young man. And so I need to separate some things from your life. I need to prepare. I need to broaden those shoulders to be a man of character and integrity if you're going to love a woman and be an example to some kids. If you want to be a boss and you want to be a leader, you got to get over yourself and understand the highest level of leader is servanthood. And so you got to be good with who you are so you can just take care of people even if they're helping you make money. So often we pray these prayers, God, give me the completion and the filling. And he's like, done. But first, (laughs) we got to separate some stuff. And so John, by every ancient reader, when he writes this, he's referencing this story. And so I just want to start there. We have a few minutes left, but I just want to start there because John could have started his story anyway, but he's decided that he wanted every reader to go and know that in the beginning was the word and the word was not just with God, but the word was God. And later on, he goes on to eat some cooler stuff. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, but that's for the next couple weeks. But he referenced the beginning. And what happened in the beginning? Here's here's what the Christmas story is. Here's what the story of Jesus is all about. And it's never not been about this because he was with God in the beginning. It's about taking his power, taking his love, taking his ominence, taking every amount of authority he has and anything that would bow its knee to go, you have your way, God, you, you have your way. He will Bring the light and the life into any darkness and any chaos you may be experiencing. So that's the message this week. So my question is, is there chaos in your life? Is there emptiness in your world? Is there darkness somewhere at work, in your family, in your home? Probably somebody might say yes to that. If so, this should be the best news ever. The best news ever is that there is a loving God who was there from the beginning and the same Jesus who came to be with us that we celebrate in the manger and all that, he was there in the beginning and he wants to bring light and life that flourishes. God brings light and life into darkness and chaos. But perhaps some of us, he needs to separate and prepare some things for us and in us first. Now here's the catch. If you allow God to do his work, his way, his will, and his timing, you can guarantee it will be light and life. You can also probably guarantee it won't be your way and it won't be on your timeline. And so you have to be willing to go, God, even though I don't see it, and even though it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna choose to trust you right now that you're doing this. That's the theme, that's the, that's the book, that's the intro, that's the journey that we go on. But now here's what I know to be true. That while that might be thematically good, I know that all of us have our own unique story and, and it's, it's, it's your story as well. And so I wanted to, I wanted to not just give you a premise or, or an idea or a theme, 
But I wanted you to hear a real story of somebody who's living this that calls Cape Christian home. One of our brothers from the beginning has experienced void, empty, and darkness. And I wanted you to not, not just to walk out with hope. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. But this is what God is doing in this very moment, in this very day, and infuse some hope in your life. I want you to hear Bob's story for yourself. My name's Bob Tebow. Um, I've been coming to Cape Christian for about a year and a half now. I just happened to be driving by one day and came in and started talking to a few people and seemed like it would be the place to come. So I, we came that Sunday and we've been coming ever since. I grew up with a father that wasn't there, uh, didn't work, alcoholic. Fighting was his, his thing. So I was raised in the bars. I wasn't really shown love. The forms of love were uh, how hard I was, how, who you could beat up, and, and where your status was in a biking community. And as I got older, I realized that that's not what love was. Love is showing how you truly feel and not getting beat. So, you know, when I was younger, I built up this tolerance to pain um, because I wasn't going to show signs of weakness. When my mother divorced, uh, my stepdad, we were kind of like baggage had just come along. And looking back, I guess it wasn't really his fault. You know, he was coming out of Vietnam and he had all his baggage that he carried. So um, it went from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship uh, until I finally, when I was 17, I, I gave the abuse back. And uh, that was the end of me living at home. But I knew that, that in my heart, that wasn't the person that I was. So I was constantly seeking an, an approval, you know, whether it be through women, drugs, alcohol, hanging with my friends, doing those things. Um, but it always came up empty. When I was uh, 25, my oldest son was born, and that changed my life. So as a father, you try to learn from your mistakes, maybe the mistakes that your father or your mother made, whatever. And um, I tried to keep all of that away from my boys. I tried to do the best that I could um, with the tools that I had. Unfortunately, my oldest son had a lot of stuff that was done to him that he couldn't get past. And he went down the drugs and the alcohol and. So he had had a horrific car accident on Memorial Day weekend, 2015. He had a uh, traumatic brain injury, like nine broken ribs, collarbone, puncture lung. He, he was in a coma. He had flatlined numerous times, and luckily, you know, God saved my son's life at that time. Uh, it was a hard road to recovery, um, but he never did recover. You know, physically, he got better, but mentally, it. I didn't know how bad it really was. And seven years later, he started drinking again about three to four months prior to Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and he had uh, shot himself. Saturday, I didn't know what to do, but I knew I had to do something other than what I normally would have done, which was drink, and God only knows what I would have done. So I call Randy, my table leader, at Cape Men. I call him Saturday night, and I explain to him what had happened with my son taking his life Friday night. And I was lost. I didn't know what to do. 
Randy told me, he said, Bob, go to church Sunday. My mind was telling me that's not what I really wanted to do, but my heart was telling me I knew that was where I needed to be to be healed. So I went into the prayer room. Uh, people had prayed with me for an hour and a half. I, I did not expect that kind of uh, generosity of caring. I've never felt anything like that in my life. Tuesday night was the Cape Men, and I really didn't want to go because of where I was feeling mentally. And, uh, but because of the people that were in that group, I was able to be vulnerable for the first time in my life when I first met these guys. And I knew that that would be the right place for me to be. It would be the first start, first step of healing from all of this. And instead of letting hate fill me, love, I guess, is what I needed. And I just didn't know it. So after a lifetime of darkness and chaos, five months ago, one of the most unimaginable situations, Bob would tell you, if you see him, he'll be here tomorrow. He has more hope. He has more peace. He has more joy. Because rather than do what he saw his whole life, he let the light in. And life although it'll never be the same, is flourishing with Bob. And that's what God's doing now in our church. And we wanted to share that story because some of you needed to hear that because if God would do it for Bob, he would do it for you. And the issue isn't, does God want to rescue you? Does he want to help with the chaos? Does he want to help with the darkness? The only question is, will you give it to him? Will you invite him in? Will you lean into it? Will you go, God, take this. Have your way. Do your thing. I'm done with my way. I'm done with my coping mechanisms. I'm done trying to define it. And I believe this Christmas season, your story could be that even though I was going through some pretty unimaginable things, the light shone and life started to flourish. But it starts with saying, God, I want your way in my life. And so if that's you, I just want to, I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to ask you to repeat with me. We're all going to pray with you. Nobody prays alone here. But before we do, I just want to, I want to give you a moment to look inward. And I just want you to bow your heads, if you would, just for one second and close your eyes just for one second. And if you're here and just, just a humble, a humble admittance, just say, Corey, there's, there's some darkness. There's some chaos in my life that I need God to come in. I need him to, I need the light to shine. I need life to flourish. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. That's me. I'm, I'm praying for me tonight. If you, hands, okay. Hands, hands, hands. That's great. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, that, that's all I want to know. Is hands went up all over the place. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And we're just going to pray a prayer of invitation and a prayer of, of asking God and letting him know, we, I need your light and I need your life. So I'm going to ask every person that has the ability to speak to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that from the beginning, you've used your power your authority to bring light and life into chaos and darkness. So today, God, I give you my darkness. 
I give you my emptiness. I give you my void. And I ask you, take control. Come in. I'm done figuring it out on my own. I want you to have your way. I need your light and I need life that will flourish. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.